They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Excuse me. Do you want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal. Thanks. Wow. Three celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.ie forward slash music. to you. It is Wednesday, November 30th, 2016. For those of you who are listening into the future, you are way behind on your bantering the blue shirts. The show is best listened to topically. Um, I am joined as always by my co-hosts, Mike Murphy and Beth Macklin. Ladies, gentlemen, how are you doing? I was about to say, I'm not sure you can say as always if I've been out of the lineup so much, but okay, you know what? We're gonna but, <laughs> see here. I am the controller of this podcast, which means I can AV speak myself. So as always, my uh-huh. is just like Vigneault saying, "No, Clendenning's going to play with a tough schedule in November, and he only played one game." Oh wow! Uh, I would like to let you all know that. that this show is brought to you by the fine fine, handsome, and beautiful donators on Patreon who are uh, being so kind as to donate to us. Go to patreon.com slash blueshirtbanter, and you can give us some of your extra money, which we will then use to uh, make the show better for you, first and foremost. And as part of the uh, donation levels, we have some fun rewards in there. We get to tell you some of the great people who donated, including Anthony Viola, Dan's Lynch, 50, George Littman, uh, Matt Bader, Eric Cohn, amazing people. Silvers, who's not in the chat yet, but he should be. It's his daughter's birthday, by the way, so I doubt she's listening. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Trevor Kempner, Thomas Osa, Alexander Thornton, and Nicholas Forlenza. I don't think I butchered any of those names. So thank you all for donating. Thank you, everybody who's donating. Thank you, everybody. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lot. At some point, we will, uh, like I said, we have a couple of goals we'd like to hit once we get there. We will uh, do some special things with the podcast to make it even more magical. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to put you into a time machine. It's soothing. It's nice. It has cushioned seats. Two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, actually, Dan Lynch came on the show and told us that the next couple of weeks were going to be very telling for the New York Rangers, and we all agreed that that was going to be the case. Since then, the Rangers lost to Columbus, lost to Florida, Beat Pittsburgh, lost to Pittsburgh, beat the Flyers, lost to Ottawa, and then last night beat Carolina. Did we learn anything about this team? Michael Murphy, we can start with you. Well, uh, just before we went on the air, I was going over the the game since the last podcast, uh, the one that that I missed, and Rangers on that on last Wednesday got crushed by Pittsburgh six to one in a game that we're all trying to forget about still. And then Hank stole the Rangers three to two win over the Flyers. And the offense that could do no wrong finally got shut out by Ottawa. 
um, at the Garden. And then last night the Rangers played one very good period of hockey, and it was good enough to to get them past Carolina. Um, I really i I think we are are now confirmed that we don't know what the team is, and that was kind of what we were we were saying all along. You know, there, we were kind of hinting about oh seems a little familiar to last season and uh and you know a lot of people were saying no 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 you know four skill lines it's different it's crazy we don't know <laughs> no one knows how it's going to go but looking at it now and you know just look, looking at the possession numbers and looking at what the team does at even strength it's um uh, there's not a lot to like right now granted you know the rangers are actually pretty beat up in terms of key injuries and everything but um there's not a lot to like yeah. Um, I have concerns. Um, I liked last night, night's game because I like watching them pull themselves out of a hole. Some motivation that came from Rick Nash and Jimmy BC almost single-handedly. My favorite bust, Jimmy BC. And um, but that does not cancel out the fact. I forget someone on Twitter last night was was describing every zone exit as it happened, they were not good. They were very not good. Um, And part of the reason why Rick Nash stood out so much was because he went end-to-end a couple of times, probably because the defense could not get anyone on the offense the puck, could not get out of the zone. Um, And that really concerns me. I, I like their ability to turn games around. I like that they don't get completely down and out in a situation last night. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've got concerns, and it feels boring to say what they are because I feel like they're the same concerns we've had all along, and they're not going to be news to anybody. Really, the only new news is that we are, again, continuing, or the organization is continuing to not do anything about them that we can yeah, see. But, so. but here's the difference, and I thought about that a lot, too, in terms of, Oh, it's the same complaints, and we know it's the same complaints, and and the same thing that we've been talking about over and over again. It's kind of like in uh, Law and Order SVU, and this is going to be a little bit of a weird comparison, but I'm going to go there anyway. Already, where the hell are you going? Where the hell are you going? You uh, you have a pretty good idea of who the uh, who the criminal is, right? And they find some circumstantial evidence, and they find you kind of put two and two together yourself, and then. You know, you you don't really know anything for sure, but you can take an educated guess. And then at some point, they find the smoking gun, if you will, and then everybody's like, oh, okay, and it kind of it, – it does clarify things a little bit. Yes, the, the concerns we have about the Rangers today are no different than the concerns we had about the Rangers two or three weeks ago. The difference is that there's at least proof at this point that something is wrong. When you look at the <laughs> – the way that the Rangers have won and lost their games the past few weeks. So here's a stat that I'll throw out there. After starting the season with some of the hottest offense we've ever seen in NHL history, I mean, it's, at one point the Rangers were on pace to score like 400 goals in 25% of the way through the season. That's not, you know, that's insanity. The past six games, the Rangers have scored 14 goals combined. So that's just over two goals a game. And that's an enormous difference from where they were before. And in those games, like the Flyers win, 
in the game against Pittsburgh where they blew the Rangers out of the water, against Florida where the Rangers couldn't get any offense going, the same thing against the Senators in the first 40 minutes against Carolina, you saw a defense that when it, the spotlight is put on it, wilts because they can't handle it. And we guessed that. We thought that was going to be the case. And now that's the case. So when you talk about long-term sustainability, we talked a lot about whether or not this defense is going to be able to handle themselves and keep their head above the water. I think the real question now needs to become, okay, obviously the offense hit a lot of the defense's problems. How good does the offense need to be to make sure that the defense doesn't need to be relied on heavily? And, and Beth, I'll let you jump in on that one. But I mean, I mean, it, it is a great question, but in a sense, I feel like we already have, we're already seeing the answer to it. Um, if the offense isn't scoring four or five goals a game, um, there is nothing coming out of the other end of the ice. Um, a complete absence. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's deeply concerning. Obviously, this offense – Everybody has to be healthy. The lines need to be perfectly calibrated, and everybody needs to be absolutely on their game um, for us to win hockey games, which, you know, is the best-case scenario for any team. But, again, it's, a, it's compensating. It's compensating for that tremendous hole on the, between our blue line and, you know, our goal line. And we already know at this point in the season, I mean, it's right in front of our faces that that's not going to work. I mean, we have the injuries on the offense right now. Ponder one injury to, I won't even say it, on the defense right now. Oh, God. And, and, I mean, yeah, I know I keep saying that, but it's all I can think about. I may have said that exact sentence last week. Mike, you talk now. Uh, it's it's so strange. I was talking to Joe before we went on the podcast, and, you know, I was, I was joking that, like one of one of the reasons I was excited to get back on tonight was just to ask the question, just not specifically to anyone, but just to kind of put it out there in the ether of what the hell is a Nick Holden? Uh, you know, I <laughs> I've been trying really hard to figure out who exactly Nick Holden is, and um, I think it's made all the more interesting because Kevin Klein looks, um, I don't know, it's it looks really ugly with Klein. He's constantly out of position he's making sort of goofy plays that you know we would put in our you know our Dan Girardi blooper reels like you know dropping to a knee prematurely and letting guys drive to the net I mean the he more or less like it looks like he was doing like you know Irish step dancing with the puck when he turned it over to Stahlberg for his second goal of the game the other day but uh Holden you know, like when you trying to figure out what the hell's going on with Holden. There's an amazing stat where in all situations, he has as many primary assists right now as Eric Carlson. <laughs> I mean, and when you look at his possession numbers, they're, they're bad. <laughs> so he's, he's just kind of going along for the ride. And I've been trying to figure out, well, you know, is, is Holden a product of the offense? And that's what it appears to be, you know, but, uh, and that kind of ties back to the question Joe asked. I, the Rangers' special teams are great, but at even strength, you know, they're, you know, the, the, the possession numbers are really rough, and they're actually in the bottom ten in, in the league in 
uh, even strength goals allowed for 60. And that's kind of a spooky thing to me, meaning they allow too many goals at even strength. Um, and I, it's hard to, it's hard to get a feel for what this team is like when they're not kind of, you know, shooting the lights out and scoring four or five goals a game. And with all the injuries, you know, that Beth talked about to all the forwards, you know, with Zabinijad and everything, it's, I don't know if we'll, if we'll see things turn around before the team gets healthy, but it is really spooky that, you know, it, it looks like a really delicate, like a very delicate machine right now that will win games more often than not, but they're not going to be pretty for a while. And I think that's a problem. Uh, I, this is so a question came around in the, uh, the chat room by uh, New York Sully 1988 which was basically, do the New York Rangers believe in analytics? And I think that kind of ties into what we're talking about right now. Because when you look at the broad scope of things, you look at the offense, and really I'm talking about the forwards that Jeff Gordon brought in this offseason, I would have to assume that, yes, Jeff Gordon does, in some semblance, believe in advanced statistics. You don't go out and get a guy like Brandon Peary um, you don't kind of fight for those guys like Michael Grabner and Nathan Gerby without at least believing in some of the aspects to the analytical parties that Gerbner. are fighting for, you know, Gerbner, Gerbner, Grabney, as yeah. Beth would say, um, <laughs> that you're fighting better. for in the NHL. Uh, the, the difference is we know that Vigneault uses advanced statistics, but the difference is that Vigneault uses his own advanced statistics. The Rangers have a department internally that measures their own statistics, and they're different than the ones that you or I would see on Corsica or anywhere else. They're, I think he focuses more on scoring chances generated, which isn't a problem, but his metrics, whenever he's released them to people, definitely seem to be different than the ones that everybody else is using. So I don't know how big of a believer Vigneault is in analytics because the reality is Clendenning would be playing then or at least being given an opportunity. And Tanner Glass wouldn't have gotten as much of an opportunity last year. And as much as him not being on the team this year speaks volumes about where the Rangers have come, I think that says a lot more about the offense forcing Vigneault's hand than anything else, because I, I do think he would be in the lineup if people wouldn't go to Vigneault's apartment in pitchforks and torches and, and whatnot. So uh, when not I that look we're at endorsing that, that. No, we are not endorsing that. That's a good point. You, uh, <laughs> you, you should definitely not use pitchforks. You'd immediately get arrested. Um, maybe a nightstick or something, something that you can conceal. But again, uh, so, so trying to get you, <laughs> Obviously, we are not endorsing you go find Elaine Vigneault. He might not even live in the city. I don't know where he lives. I just said apartment. I, I wonder if how many of them actually live in Manhattan. Um, but I, you look at the defense then, and it's a completely different situation. We, we've made this analogy before that uh, we're talking about a two-headed turtle. Like the team that traded for Keith Yandel, was, how is that the same team that misused him? The team that traded Carl Hagelin for Emerson Edom, how is that the same team that misused him? So we've been down that road quite a few times, and um, I, I, I just – you don't know what to think. And someone jump in and save me because I literally – I'm just I'm shrugging <laughs> my shoulders quite literally as we speak because I just don't have an answer to that question that I think is, is any type of substance. 
Which question is it again? Whether or not we think the Rangers truly buy into analytics. I I think we've seen enough to know that analytics is kind of the, you know the the greater part of the population that you know not I it's a weird thing to say believes in them because it's it's you know it's statistical trends that it's data you know it's it's one thing it's more like accepting it or not you know it's you believe in the tooth fairy you accept that or you don't um but you know whether or not they accept and apply those and their strategy, I, I don't know. I would imagine there's still a great deal of tooth fairy going on in in the way they you know make decisions with the roster and especially lines. Um, you know, it's the Rangers' social social media. You know, uh, the Twitterverse went nuts with uh, that quote about Vino saying he would find somebody's time for Clendenning. Um, in November, and we, we all know how many games, you know, the the guy who has become this, you know, it's it's like a like a really cool character in a movie that gets killed off too early, you know. It's just like, oh, why did they do that? Um, you know, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't see how we can you can debate that they do. I, I understand that Vigneault might have his own recipe, but. Uh, there's a lot of peculiar things he does, like the way he uses Jesper fast and um, how quick he is to punish players that, uh, you know, is clearly not based on whether or not they're efficient players at driving possession and creating scoring chances. It just more has to do with, oh, you you, you know, you, you, made, you messed up. You had a turnover thing, and, you know, it's a, it's a very simple but a great quote that um, I think Adam Herman said, where it's, you know, Players who have a lot of turnovers, it means they have the puck a lot. Um, in reference to Kevin Hayes, I believe. And uh, when you when you look at numbers like that, you know people are quick to say, you know, oh, Keith Handel sucks because he turned the puck over. Yeah, but you know, two out of every three of those passes that wasn't a turnover, the primary assist or generated a high quality scoring chance. So, you know, it's there's a there's a balance you have to find there. But uh, and back to the point. Instead of me always bringing up Keith Handel all the time, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I I don't I don't think that they do. I when we look at you know Girardi hanging around the lineup and still getting the ice time that he's getting, um, you know when we see we see the Rangers not consider looking at you know Ke- you know what Kevin Klein is doing and not considering giving him some time you know in the in the press box. I don't know. It's uh. It's a tricky thing to defend. You know, I, I don't know if we have any real signs that they do follow analytics. Or at least not any analytics that we know of. I mean, to Mike's point at this point, and we're talking about the season to date in the NHL, here's the top five turnover leaders in the NHL. Brent Burns is number one. Eric Carlson is number two. So you'd immediately kill to have either one of them on your team. Uh, then yeah, it gets kind of weird. You turn the fuck over. It's Bufflin, Weber, and Morgan Riley. Uh, these things tend to even themselves out a little bit over time. And just to prove my point to myself, to prove that I'm not going crazy, if you look at last year, here's the top five from last year: Subban, Burns, Thornton, uh, Drew Doughty, and Eric Carlson. So yeah, those guys don't suck. it's a good point by Adam. trade them all. You have to. You have to have the puck to turn the puck over. 
And guys who do things, traditionally, those are more offensively instinct players because they're trying to do things with the puck. I, I don't I, – turnovers are, are bothersome. Turnovers can be very problematic if they lead to rushes the other way and if they're consistently leading to rushes the other way. But I don't find it, it's beneficial to punish players for trying to do something in the offensive zone and turning the puck over because once you stifle that, you take the creativity out of the game and – once you take the creativity out of the game, you make yourself predictable. And once you make yourself predictable, other teams are going to figure out how to stop you. Let's be honest here. The opposing players are, and the opposing teams, they know what the beat is on the Rangers. Run a 1-3-1 neutral zone trap, and you are going to stifle a lot of that offense, and it's worked. 14 goals in the past six games. There was a period of time where the Rangers could score 14 goals in two games, and I'm not saying that they still can't. And I'm and, at least in the offense department, you have to give credence to the fact that Zibanejad and Buchnevich are out because those are two enormous offensive players who are possession monsters and, and big neutral zone players. But another part of the problem is, well, the defense isn't getting the job done in terms of puck transition. You don't just break the trap by dumping and chasing. And dumping and chasing rarely works when a forward is dumping the puck because then you only have two forwards to go into the zone to get it instead of three. You either have to use the defense to dump the puck or you spring forwards with long passes from your own zone. McDonough springing players last night one or two times broke the trap exactly how it had to be done. And there's not enough of that because the Rangers don't have enough players who can do that. We've been saying that from day one. Clendenning is a player who can do that. He's also stapled to the bench. So be it. You're not going to find the logic behind it. This is the same coach who sat Kevin Hayes to play at uh, Tanner Glass in a playoff game last year, a must-win playoff game. I, I don't know what to tell you at this point. It is what it is. So I do think, just to kind of put a bow on this, this segment, I do think the Rangers subscribe to some form of advanced statistics. It does seem that Vigneault has certainly taken steps forward in, in terms of understanding that toughness and size isn't going to be uh, maybe the best idea in the world, and that speed and skill is kind of the way that the game is evolving to. But at the very least, we can say there is, is beginning to become some questions surrounding why Clendenning isn't playing, as seen by Larry Brooks's, uh, as 50's talking about in the chat room, Larry Brooks's article today, which really got on AV for not using Clendenning because there's no reason. Uh, and I will say, of all the Rangers beat reporters, Brooks is maybe the most obnoxious in, in terms of people hating him, but he's also the most well-connected, and he's the guy who does seem to be first out of the mainstream media members uh, on this beat to really turn around and see the light. And I think he saw the light on glass towards the end last year. And he's made a couple of true remarks about this defense in Girardi. So, uh, you know, I just see a lot of opportunity to, uh, to kind of get stories like that in the open, because as much as you might not think it matters when a coach is being questioned after every game, well, why isn't this guy playing? eventually that's going to change things. A la John Tortorella, his last year in New York, playing Kreider in a playoff game because the press asked him every single day, why isn't Kreider playing? And he made mention of that when Kreider scored the game-winning goal to uh, stop that from being a sweep. Those were horrible, horrible days. But kind of an easy transition. The, the name Dougie Hamilton has been floating around out there. The Rangers Wait, are Joe, can looking, I say one yeah. more thing about the, the staff thing? You can say many um, things. Not, well, I don't have many things. I only have like two things, and actually I think it's really only one thing. Well, um, here we go. Now we've sold a bag of goods we can't keep. <laughs> well, 
Well, what it is is that it's all part, I think, of us not understanding, and that's a kind word for it, um, how AV solves problems because he doesn't seem to see the same problems we do. And the way stats would be most useful for him is to look at trends, why things are happening, where they're happening, and who they're happening to. And we know that he doesn't adjust like that. So, you know, we the sorts of adjustments that he makes, and adjustment is a problem that a lot of us have with the coaching style on this team, the inability to do that or a refusal to do it perhaps. Um, yeah. That's not the sort of information he seems to be interested in. This is a guy who tinkers with his offensive line. I mean, Vic Dunn's head could fall off and A.V. would tinker with the <laughs> offensive lines. You know, and it's, you know, it says something that I don't think those are the sort of solutions he looks for. So what seems like an answer to us, I don't think seems like an answer to him in the same way. I don't think he's dismissive of it, perhaps. I mean, I have no way to know. But I also think that's not how he goes about, that's not his style, his leadership style or his coaching style to study problems in that way. Because we yeah, know yeah. he doesn't like to, I mean, we're seeing it on the defense on the now. He definitely doesn't like to react in-game. And I, I mentioned this in my story a couple of days ago. Like, I still have flashbacks to Vigneault willingly putting Girardi McDonough out against the triplets line in the 2015 Eastern Conference Finals. And there was something that very clearly was not working. And it's like, okay, well, let's just try this again. Okay, well, let's just try this again. Well, maybe now if we try it, it'll work. And George, Ranger Smurf, had a great comment yesterday, which was still baffled that the response to the team starting to hemorrhage defensively has been to cement mixer the forwards but keep the defense unchanged. What has to happen for Clendenning to get into the lineup? And at this point, I'm not even talking about Girardi. I'm talking about Klein. Klein has been – I think Girardi is the bigger issue because of his salary and – Overall, he's a bit of a problem, but uh, Klein has been maybe worse, and that he's even in the discussion isn't the best thing in the world, and, and I don't understand how Clendenning doesn't get worked into this lineup. I don't get how you don't have Klein, Girardi, and Stahl on a merry-go-round where they're being replaced by Clendenning every day to keep everybody fresh, especially on back-to-backs, and especially Dan Girardi, who, even at his best, is wearing down. That's not an insult to him. It is what it is. In fact, it's a compliment, if anything, because his style of play is such a give-it-your-all style of play. There's nothing you can do. You're going to break down. You're going to block shots. You're going to get bumps and bruises. But it doesn't help to keep condemning in the press box. And in the event that someone does get injured, and God willing, it's not McDonough or Shea, because the Rangers are not going to be able to handle that, um, Clendenning's not going to be ready to go because he hasn't played. This is the same thing with Dylan McElrath last year, and Emerson Needham last year, and uh, it's, it's frustrating. It is, and there is no rhyme or reason, and there's no logic, and I think that's where people get frustrated. The response is always like, well, what, you think you know more than the coach? I don't think I know more than the coach. Uh, I would like to hope that I could see where he's coming from in terms of overall logic, and a lot of times that's just not the case. So, yeah, I mean, kind of ran off on a tangent there. Mike, anything you want to add to that? <laughs> Well, just in, in reference to the to the D and everything, it's, it's I don't think it's it's just finding a way to get Clendenning in the lineup. The other thing that I really think 
would benefit the team is getting Shea in a more regular role in the second pair. And, I, you know, I know he's young, um, and I know that, you know, you want to shelter him a little bit. But when you look at what he's managed to do this season and when you look at, you know, the amount of ice time he's getting, it's it's this – I don't know. It's, it's kind of concerning to me because, you know, you never want to, like, rush development or put too much on the young defenseman's plate because, you know, people have always claimed, you know, when – when promising guys that uh, fell apart, you know, it's, you know, oh, Tyler Myers fell apart because, you know, they asked too much of him, too much money, yada, yada, yada. But, like, uh, it's really interesting, you know, that Shea's time on ice is, is it's almost equal to Girardi's, and Girardi missed, you know, four games. So I I would like to think that just in, in regards to what George said with the cement mixer thing, it's like, there, there are other options out there other than, you know, like throwing Jesper fast in the top six and hoping things start to work. There's other things that can be done with the lineup. Or him being put on the very top line, which is just... Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I love Jesper fast, but not that much. I love him too. And uh, the, again, people think like this is what bothers me about the crab people out there. When you criticize a player like Jesper Fast being used on the top line, people are like, oh, you hate him. No, I, I don't hate him. I just don't <laughs> think that he's a top line player. That would be like me saying Henrik Lundqvist shouldn't quarterback the power play and you jumping in and being like, well, you think Henrik Lundqvist is bad? No, it, certain roles fit certain players better. That's all. And Fast does not fit a top line player. Not even a, He's not a top six player, let alone a top nine player. Yeah, fast um, what, is, a, what, is a great bottom six finger that needs some more vitamin C. He's a, he's a perfectly good at what he is. He is. There's nothing wrong with that either. Like you need those players. It's just <sighs> anyway. Um, one of the ideas about upgrading this defense, which has been talked at, uh, about quite a bit, has been Dougie Hamilton, who was reportedly available from Calgary. Um, Brian Burke made a comment today that was uh, interesting. You should read the whole thing. I think the, the best part about it is that he said a team would need to give 20 first-round picks to get him, and then Eric Cohn, who is one of our, uh, one of our Patreon subscribers, <laughs> said that somewhere Glenn Sather was seriously considering this offer, and that made me chuckle. But we've, we've kind of seen Burke lie in, in these situations before. I've seen crazier things happen. I mean, Jesus, the Bruins traded Tyler Segman because they didn't think that he was a, a good guy for the team, even though they knew he was going to be a superstar. So the rumor that has been floated around, and it's really not a rumor, I should just say it's pure speculation. This is us speculating what it would cost to get him, to me, would be something like Miller and Klein and see if that gets them talking. Based off of what Burke said, I'm not sure if that would be enough, but that's kind of the direction you'd like to see the Rangers move in. The Rangers do need a puck-moving defenseman, and if Adam Clendenning is not going to play, and that seems to be the reality, then you need to get someone in who can move the puck like that because Ryan McDonough cannot be the number one guy on both the power play, the penalty kill, and the even strength. And sorry, my dog's mm. is going crazy because either my wife is home or a murderer has entered the house and I'm going to die. Um <laughs> So, no one caught me on my vitamin C, vitamin D mix-up, by the way, I'd like to point out. Well, you said vitamin C, didn't you? 
Yeah, and it should be vitamin D. Vitamin C well, gives you scurvy, but vitamin D is you don't get vitamin C prevents scurvy. It doesn't give you scurvy. Yeah, but maybe you, you well, were saying that Vast had a weak immune system. Deficiency. Maybe he had a weak immune what system. What podcast am I on? What are you talking about? This is the medical. We're talking hour. about Law and Order, Beth. We're talking about <laughs> Law and Order SCU. And the Tooth Fairy. Throw a puppy and get uh, with it. You know what? Arvor Green, who I met, by the way, he he came to the last meeting of the minds. He's a very nice, very nice fellow. Is that how you say his name? I don't know. How are you going to say it? I I just mumble through it in my head when I read it. I'm like, I remember. So I just just mumbled through it on live air. and was a drunk guy saying MacGyver. You immediately called me out on it, and now this is part of the permanent blogosphere. Everybody will hear this yeah, forever. I went ahead and ruined the podcast with Scurvy. The, the, the entire, I can't think of a moment more ruined than this moment right now. And here's the thing. He's not even in, he's just saying heart all of you in the podcast chat room. He's not even telling us how to appropriately say his name. So clearly he doesn't uh, care either and he finds this amusing. That nice is guy. just fantastic. Um, I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh, uh, he brought up a point that said, do you trust even Yoda play Hamilton like he should because of Yandel, and the answer is probably not. So, uh, but he, here's the thing, Burke. In terms of the rumor that, and again, speculation, I should say, not rumor. In terms of the speculation that I brought up about what a trade would take, Miller is a, a tougher guy. He's certainly someone who should make opposing general managers salivate when they think about him. And Klein has a better reputation than reality right now. So I could certainly see Calgary pulling the trigger on something like that, but. Uh, I may be overestimating their stupidity. If not Dougie <laughs> Hamilton, are there any defensemen out there or you guys are looking for or maybe you'd like to see? And if we're not even talking about players, would you rather see the Rangers maybe move a second or third round pick for maybe a, a top four defenseman and obviously not a number one or a number two or even a number three, maybe a number four. I think Cody Franson's name has been out there. I, I just don't know what you do without some of the bigger names because you can hope to get Shattenkirk over the summer and, and that's fine. But the Rangers have to protect McDonough. They have to protect McDonough. They have to protect Girardi and they have to protect Stahl. So unless you're buying Girardi or Stahl out or trading one of them, you can't protect anyone else. Now Shea does not need to be protected, but um, you know, that's sort of, Oh my God, we can lose right Nick now. Holden. They could lose Nick Holden, who has as many uh, five-on-five assists as uh, Eric Carlson, all situations. So. No, all, uh, all situations. Maybe tra- trade him. Tra- oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Five. That's that's like saying it's a big oxymoron. The podcast is totally off the rails. <laughs> we've, 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 I haven't said anything for days, so this is you guys. <laughs> Well, you, and you your know vitamin what? Then, C and your and you're your... being blamed because you're supposed to jump in and save us when this goes yeah, haywire and you sat there and watched. You're supposed to stop us from happening. You know, Mike and I are <laughs> knife fighting, and the house is on fire, and you're just holding the fire extinguisher watching. That's what's happening right now. So, um, anyway, upgrade the defense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, speaking of hockey. Beth wanted to talk about Chris Kreider, and I think we should talk about Chris Kreider because Chris Kreider has not been Chris Kreider since he returned from his, uh, his oh. neck spasm injuries. Oh, Beth, but that is the question, isn't it? Uh, well, you have tons of thoughts, so I'm going to step out of the limelight here and just allow you to uh, to take over and fix what Mike and There's I did. There's vitamin D in that limelight. 
Well, see, the thing is, though, we're saying Chris Kreider has not been Chris Kreider, but Chris Kreider has been Chris Kreider. It depends on which Chris Kreider you think is Chris Kreider. Okay, this is Is Chris Kreider. (laughs) You know exactly what I'm talking about. Is Chris Kreider the guy (laughs) who is... Sadly, I do. (laughs) I'm 100% You know exactly what I'm talking about. The Chris Kreider we saw in the preseason and right at the beginning of the season, uh, I believe the term we called in the pre-podcast, coined in the pre-podcast minutes, was Kreidersance. Okay, a renaissance of Kreider, all the articles about how this was finally his year, this was finally him, he had come into his own summer working out, got his head straight, blah, 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 which, again, we also did last summer. And now we're kind of back where we were. This is not the guy who was on pace to, you know, double or triple his his point total from last year anymore. That's not who we're looking at anymore. I'm worried that he's – I'm concerned that he's hurt. Um, I have no idea what's going on in his head if he's not hurt or what's going on with him with the team. But, I mean, this – he's like Sybil. I mean, I – can you think of anybody else who, like, single-handedly, he's like the Rangers in one man. No, he swings. Me. Yeah, I'd like to point out two quick things. I think the limelight is the only light that would give you vitamin C and D. Um, <laughs> also, it's, both, it's a fruit and yeah. light. Yeah, yeah. okay, it's fine. Citrus. I'll allow it. Yeah. 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 Pretty good. Um, and the last six games... Kreider has no goals, one assist, and a fighting major. And he also has six shots in that. In six games, six shots for Kreider. He won that fight, by the way, which is pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So it's totally fine that his his production is tanked out. And his assist came on the power play as well. Oh, gosh. So anyway, I'm so, not yeah, a crab person. I'm curious. isn't just imagining things. It's, It's pretty clear that Kreider's you know, kind of withered on the vine here. Like, there's not... It's bizarre to think that this guy who was, you know, setting the world on fire in the first couple of weeks of the season, you know, he had all those nagging injuries, and here in this... In these, you know, the last half dozen games where the Rangers have looked so so mortal, you know, one assist, six games, six shots. That's pretty... That's pretty telling of the offense in general. Kind of encapsulates it pretty well. I have a theory on this, if you'd like to hear it. Yes, please. Not really, but go ahead. <laughs> you guys are so... You guys get to see the inside of how mean Mike is to me. That's what you get to see. Um, so here's my... here. I, it's kind of a two-part theory because nothing with me is ever simple or easy. The first part... Law and Order involved? Law and Order, no, but if you give me a couple of seconds, I could try to figure out how to involve it <laughs> somehow. <laughs> um, the first part is... Dominant Kreider stopped being Dominant Kreider, and he's being affectionately called October Kreider in the chat room right now, when he got injured. <laughs> now, here is a, an equal timeline for that. That's around the same time that Vigneault broke up the Zibanejad kreider Buchnevich line, which was so dominant. I think Kreider has an elite shot, and I think that Kreider is an unbelievable decoy. And what I mean by that is when you have a guy like Buchnevich and when you have a guy like Zibanejad on the ice with Kreider, you might be focused more on Zibanejad because he can do everything than you are on Kreider. 
but that means that you also have to worry about Kreider's speed, but you also have to worry about Buchnevich's vision. So what exactly do you do? We talked about how that was a matchup nightmare for opposing teams. So Kreider... Playing the dark is, in the mud. Exactly. When he is the main source of offense on a line, he needs to oh, get the puck and break in on those rushes. Kreider's not a guy who's going to take the puck from the face-off circle and kind of beast it in front of the net and snipe the corner. That's not really his game. He has a shot that's capable of doing that, but that's not really where he thrives. Where he thrives is those speed rushes, making those runs, to use a soccer comparison, behind the middle of the ice and behind the defenders and just kind of sneaking in. Dominant Kreider was not scoring goals by waiting for the puck and ripping one-timers. He was flying into the zone on odd man rushes and creating opportunities yeah. with his speed. That's when he's at his best. Now, there's two sides to that story. The first, Clendenning was still playing, and Clendenning was capable of moving the puck out of the zone like that. Second, the Rangers had a much more fluid line with Zibanejad and Buchnevich because both of them could pass the puck really well. Now Kreider's playing with Miller. Kreider's playing with Hayes. Kreider's playing with Stepan. I'm not saying these are bad line mates. I'm just saying that in terms of getting the most out of Chris Kreider, you kind of need a pass-first guy who can also shoot the puck so that other teams can't just sit on that passing lane and shut it down, which is exactly what they're doing. So Zuccarello, you know, maybe isn't the greatest fit in the world, or maybe he is with Jimmy VC because then you have two shooters. I think that's part of it. And I think the other thing is he's not totally healthy. I'd have to assume yeah. he's not totally because you just don't snap your fingers. I don't know if the acoustics are good enough for you to hear that, but you don't we just snap it. your fingers and do up. See, look at that. Imagine how much better it's going to be when we hit our goal. Um, you don't just snap your fingers and suddenly go from one of the most dominant players in the league. And I'm not talking about he's the best player in the league. I'm just saying over that course of time, he was one of the hottest players in the league to Mr. Invisible, which I don't think Kreider is, to be completely honest. And Arv, Arvoir Green, we didn't even figure out how to say it, and now I'm back at it again. Um, oh, wow. He's saying in the chat. Can we get a phonetic spelling, please? Yeah, can you help us a little? Help us help you. A-Y-U-V-I-R Green. I think the green part is right, but I guess we'll see. Um, he's saying Kreider's effectiveness is being limited by the one three one, so he goes as the team goes. Yes, but part of that yeah, that's is kind of Kreider, what I meant. Kreider's the perfect weapon to break the one three one because he's fast enough to get behind the defense and get the puck. So even if he doesn't get it, okay, wait, I U Ver. I U I U Ver. Okay, I will remember that and then promptly forget it in three seconds. Um, that's Kreider is the perfect weapon. Here's the problem. When you can't get the puck to him from the defensive zone, he's not going to be able to do what he does. So I, I think a lot of times Rangers fans, not even necessarily crab people, but just Rangers fans in general expect the world to work the way they want it to. And they expect it to be black and white. Oh, Kreider's not scoring. He's slumping. He sucks. Maybe just maybe the Rangers offense as a whole is having an issue with this one, three, one trap that teams are throwing at them and they don't have a way to get the puck out there because they won't play one of the ways that can help them get the puck through it. Mike, save me from continuing to talk. I think it's a fair point. You know, the Rangers have one and I think we'll call it with Shea a half. You know, I know he's got so many assists and that's exciting. Um, 
I don't know if he's still leading all rookies in assists or whatever the hell he was doing a little while ago. I'm still trying to figure out what Ayuber means. But uh, anyway, it, like if the Rangers don't play, you know, puck moving D, it's not that this it won't just work for the Rangers system and who the Rangers have it forward. If you don't have puck moving defensemen, you're not going to have possession of the puck. You're not going to have any sort of transition game, and you're you're not going to be able to you know, turn defense and offense. And I think everyone who's in our audience has watched enough of the modern NHL and the modern game to know a lot of goals are scored that way. You know, there's plenty of goals are scored, you know, on the power play and Ovechkin parking in his spot and all that stuff. But, you know, hockey is a very fast sport. And if you don't have players who can take advantage of your team's speed, and the Rangers have, plenty of speed to work with and a lot of guys who can do damage on the rush and Kreider's at the, on the top of that list. If you don't have people who can get, get him the puck in transition and let him be, you know, that wrecking ball going towards the net that he can be, it's, you're really squandering a resource. And that's what makes, in my opinion, a, you know, a failure to use Clendenning such a, like, it's not just frustrating, it's like tragic because it's this, you know, there's like the, yeah, it's like the guy in the, you know, lost at sea and, you know, he has water for water purification pills that he can't find in his boat. You know, it's just they're in plain sight. You know, it's, I don't know what's wrong with, with the team where they can't figure out like, Oh, you know, why, why are we having good zone exits and good, a good transition game? Why, you know, why is our offense kind of getting choked up in the neutral zone now when the other teams are playing the trap? Oh, I wonder why. But, uh, yeah, no, I think you're making good points, Joe, even if it's not in the context of Law & Order. I, this entire podcast should just turn into Law & Order references the entire time. Um, we'll bring guests on and we'll interrogate them under lights so that people can't see. It'll be great. Um, Mike, I, I, you use the a terminology that we've used a lot and that makes a lot of sense, which is a mismanagement of assets, basically, that you're not using a guy like Clendenning, especially for the power play, which has kind of gone cold. Um, I don't know. I don't have an answer. And this is where I get frustrated because I'd like to see some form of a linear form of logic that I can follow, that I can just kind of take the steps and say, even if I don't agree with you, okay, this is where you are coming from. And I just don't see that. And it's, you know, it's not something you necessarily want to see. Uh, the Rangers play the Sabres tomorrow, and that's a game you'd think they should win. The Rangers have a bunch of games <laughs> on their schedule that you'd hope to see them win, and that does become Eichel's part of back. the problem. Well, I'm sorry? I said Eichel's back for the, those, those, he is. those kids. He has returned. And it's actually, crazy kids my God, do I hope Jimmy VC scores a damn hat trick just to shut my Carrington up. That would be so special. That's not but, nice. But we'll leave that <laughs> uh, the way it is. Um, Buffalo, Carolina, the Islanders, who are basement dwellers at this point, and Winnipeg are the Rangers' next four games. You'd, you'd hope that they would go 4-0 in those games. You really would. Then you have Chicago, New Jersey, Chicago, Dallas, Nashville. So the, then the schedule kind of gets tougher again a little bit. And, you know, I thought we were going to learn a lot about the Rangers in, in November, and I'm not totally sure that we did. Because from the Western road trip on, we started to question whether or not this team was actually going to be able to sustain it because their possession numbers started to tank. 
And then we got to the point where it was like, okay, well, maybe they're turning the corner. When they came back to be Pittsburgh, I called it a statement win. And then Pittsburgh smoked the Rangers. Henrik Lundqvist did his thing against the Flyers, or else the Rangers weren't going to win that game. And the Rangers got dominated by the Ottawa Senators. So then you get 40 minutes of terrible hockey against Carolina. And look, this team is better than last year's team. I want to make that very clear. This team may very well be able to sustain a higher level of play than last year's team was, even as they regress back to earth. But seeing the offense kind of dwindle down a little bit and the defense get put into the spotlight and wilt is not necessarily something you want to see. And and does it force a move from Jeff Gordon and company? I don't know, to be completely honest with you. I have no idea. Is it going to be something that the Rangers are maybe – and here's the other thing, and let me ask this question – If Jeff Gordon's ideology at this point is, I know the defense is a problem, but I don't think we're going to be able to be Stanley Cup contenders with what we're going to have to pay to get a Hamilton or a Shattenkirk. Do we just kind of throw the towel in this year and let it be what it is and then go for Shatty in the offseason and kind of make our big changes there? Is that a big issue? Beth, I'll let you. Or do you do 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 another kind of holding trade but in the middle of the season, but where you get a guy who's you know, a bottom pairing or, you know, a second pairing guy where the Rangers undoubtedly have, you know, more offensive assets than they need. But of course, defenders are always going to have a higher trade value. It's, you know, it's not a, it's not an equal thing. You know, a a middling defenseman is worth more than a middling forward. But it's a really peculiar thing because I was just looking at the schedule in the next 16 days or after, after Buffalo and Carolina. So, in the starting with the December 6th at, on the road and uh, at the Islanders, the Rangers have nine games and I think 15 days, it's a pretty brutal stretch. And I know we say this a lot, but we'll kind of figure out a lot about what the team is and isn't because six of those nine games are on the road. But anyway, now, now that I'm done interrupting Beth, I'll let her go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad you pointed that out actually, because remember I looked up that it was, December 19th of last year when I wrote the post called, you know, the wheels are coming off. Um, (laughs) And I'm pretty sure we're going to know by the end of nine games, if the wheels are on or off, or maybe two of them are on, two of them are on. Anyway, like you said, I mean, I think what this team is, is going to (laughs) be a lot more, is going to be a lot more evident there. I mean, I just feel like I can't make any logical, you know, assessments of what they might do on D when we're still, you know, when a lot of what we've said can be answered by the guy who's sitting in the press box. So, I mean, that's, I'm not going to sort of speculate on any moves we might make because I don't understand the ones we're already making. So I don't feel like I can make sense in that department. Um, But I think people, what people are really sort of interested in, you know, what we're seeing a lot of is, you know, is what happened last year going to happen this year, like literally in terms of timing too. Um, The winning stops, the disaster starts. Um, Lundqvist kind of lost his mind at this time last year and started throwing things. Um, Also got pulled three games, I think, in a stretch of a few weeks. So we saw him get pulled once already recently. So is that starting again? It's just, it's kind of eerie, you know? And like you said in your post today, Joe, I actually, no, I'm lying. This was somebody else who said this to me, is that 
it could be argued that so much of this is preventable. That's yeah. the derangement of being a Ranger fan. And that's been the case the past few years, too. Uh, the, you know, Tanner Glass playing and Dan Girardi playing and Dan Girardi playing injured, for God's sakes. There's a lot of... Uh, <laughs> it's just shooting yourself in the foot and then being like, well, I don't know why I'm not running as fast as I used to. Well, because you have a <laughs> bullet in your foot. And Law and Order is on the case to figure out who did that. So... Hey. <laughs> I, I'm oh the fear is not knowing and again let's be totally honest here I feel like I say that a lot I have to stop saying that um, <laughs> it implies but, that you're lying to us the rest of the does, time I, but I also just say it too much it's just a, a verbal crutch because I'm a terrible podcast host um, oh don't start with that <laughs> we're having some mood swings here we <laughs> are the Rangers not knowing what they're going to do is terrifying because last year the Rangers should have done nothing and they traded one of their top prospects for the disaster that was Eric Stahl. If Jeff Gordon came out and said, listen, bitches, and that would be an unbelievable way to start the press conference. <laughs> it really would be. Just, I'm already bitches. cheering. Go on. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. We don't really know what the team is this year. We're going to let the dust settle and just see where we come out on the other side and we're not going to make any moves unless we get blown away by an offer or unless we have an opportunity to get younger. And that's what it's going to be. And if we don't make the playoffs, we have our first round pick. If we go all the way, fantastic. If we finish somewhere in the middle, which is what I think is going to happen, I think we're going to have to retool next year at the expansion draft and, and see what we're looking at. Now, no team would ever admit that, but some general managers are easier to predict than others. And the smarter ones may be taking that outlook. I don't know if the Rangers are because trading for Eric Stahl last year was unforgivable. And I, I feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about that type of a strategy. Oh, let's just throw the towel in because remember, Henrik Lundqvist is not getting any younger. And I, that's an uncomfortable conversation to have because he's certainly given a lot of himself to, to this team and to kind of throw away some of his prime for, you know, uh, we kind of screwed up the past few years. We don't know what to do. Well, that's not really fair. And someone come in and say something now. Well, I just don't think Lundqvist, I mean, it's not, uh, yes, we can talk about the whole fair thing and the age thing. I don't even think we have to get that far. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I think Lundqvist would get them to the playoffs out of spite at that point. <laughs> I think, I don't think he knows how to throw in the towel. And I think that, you know, it's unless something really strange happens, I mean, he's almost guaranteed to at least get them to the first round um, with Ranta's help. I mean, Ranta's been great too. And, yeah, I don't – the Rangers can't even throw in the towel right, let's face it, because throwing in the towel for them with this offense and with Lundqvist, Lundqvist, like what does that look like? Lunkin. You know, Lunkin like, is the really? newest of the best names. <laughs> Lunkin. That is maybe the best one, though. Lunkin. Henrik Lunkin. What a friggin' name. It's like Munchkin, but better. Yeah, like Lunkin. Anyway, but don't you see my point? Like, I, I do. can't see this team falling out of the sky so badly that they don't at least drag themselves by their lips into the first round. But here's the I really don't see that happening. Last year's team basically was it, – it would be like driving in a race, like a NASCAR race, and the driver getting out of the car, lighting themselves on fire, and then shooting themselves <laughs> in both foot and both feet. And 
the, whatever the general manager of NASCAR, <laughs> I have no idea what NASCAR has, maybe the the boss oh. or whatever, is like, no, this is a driver who can definitely go. Let's let's buy him a brand new car. And last year's team could not have gone into the playoffs any worse. The warning signs were basically gone. Like the emergency, there's a serious problem light. It was broken. That's how much it was flashing. And the Rangers still went all in. I think this year's team is infinitely better than last year's team just because of how good the offense is. And this year's team can get hot enough to run through the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. Not saying it's likely, but I'm saying that this offense, the offense that we saw in October, exists in this team. And that team was damn near unstoppable. And that was even with a not super elite now Henrik Lundqvist. So how does that team look and say, huh, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to sit back and watch. There really is no right answer. And that's because the Rangers put themselves in this situation. You made this bed. You need to sleep in it. And they're sleeping in it right now. And we don't know what they're going to do. They continue sleeping in it. But um, I just don't. I can see it being defensible for the Rangers to move forward and try to make some trades at the trade deadline, but that would be the fourth year in a row the Rangers would literally refinance the mortgage. And at some point, you can't keep doing that. The whole thing is going to collapse. We may be there anyway. Uh, This general manager saw fit not to buy out Girardi, and it's caused the Rangers some issues to this point and may continue to cause them issues. Uh, next, This expansion draft is going to be crazy. I know it's stupid to talk about it now because it's almost December and we got a ton of season left to go, but it's going to be a very big reality for every single NHL team as we move forward. Just what's going to happen with that? What's going to happen with what players are you going to lose? Are the Rangers going to have to trade Michael Grabner because of the season he's having? Are the Rangers going to lose... Yes, for Fost or, or Oscar Lindbergh and uh, the plethora of names we're going to go through because it just came out that the Rangers actually have to protect Rick Nash too. There's a lot that needs to be discussed there, but maybe now's not the time. Uh, this has been fun. This was good. This podcast went, uh, we always, after every show, we talk about how well the podcast went. We all agree that when things get a little silly, we're at our best. And This was definitely the uh, silliest of the podcasts, I would say. Maybe not as silly as the time that Mike said that he endorses throwing puppies, but close, you know. At least I didn't, like, endorse getting, like, pitchforks and torches finding no, Dino's apartment like I did. I did not it, endorse It could be interpreted that way, yeah. I endorse of law and order, things up. that you could hide. And obviously, it's, I could see someone listening to this podcast and being like, you know, I am going to find Vigneault's apartment, and I'm going to use a pitchfork. Don't do that. Don't, you don't be, be that culpable. person. Do not be that person. We're telling you that that is not what we meant at all. I do not endorse that. Because in truth, I don't think Vigneault is a bad coach. I really don't. That's the frustrating part of all this. It's like when a kid does something wrong and they know better. You ever get that from your parents? Like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. That's kind of what it is. Because <laughs> Vigneault's systems are really good. They're intuitive, they're smart, they're tough to predict. He just doesn't know how to put the right players in there because he has an over-reliance on veterans. And that's frustrating because you do look at the body of work he put together in 2014, and uh, hey, he did really well in 2014. He pushed all the right buttons in that playoff series. He got Benoit Pouillat to, to turn into a real player. Where has that guy been? I don't know. But don't go find him with pitchforks. We don't want that. No, none of that. That would be a problem. We do not uh, endorse 
like rabble, the gathering of rabble, uh, common uh, folk. I'm not sure what we I endorse. like the word rabble. Rabble, 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 rabble. It is a great word. There's so many great the sort words. sort of thing crab people would do. Yeah, Lunkin. <laughs> Lunkin may be the best of words. Lunkin is just, I don't know, Ger, Grabner and or Gerbner and Grabney, I at least get because you mix the two of them. Were you thinking of the word Lunk and Lundquist and just ended it at Lunkin? I don't know. I think, you know, sometimes your mouth gets Lundquist ahead of you. Hank, like Hank He's he's he does not look like a Lunkin. Let's just face that. No, that is not. An angel. That, that makes no sense. So he's an archangel. <sighs> he is the upper anything, uh, upper echelon of angels, the, the choir of angels. You know, you know, you know, a group of angels is called a choir. You know that? Are they? Well, this is now. It's I think like the heavenly host or something. We've isn't talked it? about religion in some capacity. No, I, I don't think the angels have to sing if they don't want to. Maybe not. No, they can be like a, a sign language choir. <laughs> For angels. Oh, wing language, if you will. Ooh, wing language. That would be incredible. I think we have the makings of a movie here. The wing language. The wing language. A man I, if I was feeling it. sharper, I could use that as a segue to Jimmy DC, but I'm not, so I can't. Your favorite bust? My favorite bust. He scored the other. Yesterday. He scored a game-winning goal. He was on the power play. Goal. On the power play, God. He almost the missed the empty net, but we won't talk about that. No, we won't. <laughs> Maybe he was just perfectly <laughs> placing the puck. We yeah, he put it right where Cam Ward's like. You hate Rick Nash. You're just a crab person. I don't know. You, if you hate Rick Nash, you are a crab person. The crab should rise up and revolt against you specifically. <laughs> Wait, that, that's odd. Yeah, so you're right. They're it's a crab person that's not even liked by other people. crabs. Animal. Yeah. Ooh. Like a, an outcast of the crab people. I don't Radical think crabby, for the crab though. people. Because here's the thing. The more crabby you get, you become basically the leader of the crab people. So <laughs> I think the, the people who hate Henrik Lundqvist are like the nobles of the crab people. And then <laughs> the Rick Nash. The are, are, yeah, they're, they're the elite, but they're not the nobles. The nobles are definitely... <laughs> We're gonna figure this out. We're gonna we're gonna put together the the hot, the cast system of the crab people. Um, but yeah, the, the people who hate Henrik Lundqvist are you are at the top of that list. I am sorry. I I can't. I don't. Nah. That's like somebody giving you gold, and you're just like, you know what? You're a piece of crap. I don't want this. This gold is stupid. It's not worth any money. And then throwing it away. That's what you are. And then Law and Order comes in and they take the gold. I think Nash I saw that one. Tied for the, Nash was tied for the team lead in primary points. He, he's, he's an animal. Like he, uh, and everybody goes, oh, why doesn't he play like he did against Carolina all the time? Uh, he does. <laughs> he shouldn't have to play like he did against Carolina all the time. Well, but that's not even it. He is. A, here's the thing, and I brought this up in my notes today. If Rick Nash doesn't score that goal, and he plays that exact game, but he doesn't score that goal, uh, Rick Nash just doesn't score, and he's the worst person. He's just a terrible player. He plays that game more often than not. When Rick Nash shows emotion, people go crazy because they're like, oh, why doesn't he show that emotion all the time? You are just the worst. Don't – you, you can't – and these are the same people who are like, well, Dan Jardy is the greatest defenseman on the team because he blocks shots. They're the same person. 
I would have more respect for a thought process that was even killed for everyone. Like Dan Girardi is a warrior. Well, so is Rick Nash. So Dan Girardi is really terrible, but he's a warrior. So it's okay that he's terrible. Rick Nash is a warrior. Technically, it's neither okay. of them are warriors. In the he's not even sense of the word. What? Are Dyke they angels though? Dan Girardi is a warrior. The guy never gets hurt. He's basically a machine. <laughs> It's a lot harder to identify an angel, Beth, because that's the, the spiritual world. But it's oh. much easier to quantify the data of someone who's a warrior because they've seen war. But True. angel, they, they walk among us. Apparently, they've also seen crabs. So. Well, they, they do. and you know what? Spiritual world hockey is a totally different game. You don't even know. You have no idea. They fly. They don't even skate. They fly. I would imagine they would glide. Yeah, maybe they do glide. Mike seems to be much more into. Mike, are you an angel? Is that what you're telling us? No, I'm Just named after an angel, though. That you know so much about this? No, I'm not very religious, but I don't want to get into all that. Well, we've already now. You know what? We just entered. The I beginning. think we're already we just, into. We can't that. stop. I would say angels. I prefer are the, more the of Norse a, gods personally. I'm very uh, fond of angels. Like outside of a kind fear? of Christian Catholic type thing, I kind of feel like that's that's pretty much. No, there is, uh, there are angels in Islamic faith. Are there? See, I didn't know that. Yeah. I learned something today. I guess I never thought about it, though. I guess if I would have thought about it, I could have. Yeah, because you you're not a cultured person. <laughs> wow, that got that was <laughs> gracious. Yeah, God, we were just talking about angels, and then you just stabbed me with your pitchfork, which we did not endorse, and you did it anyway. So, my God. In, I believe in biblical text, angels have swords. So once again, oh, they do have swords. You're right. You know, devils. Culture is, but, devils uh, have pitchforks, though. Do they? So, I mean, yeah, they do. Crack the Bible open, the picture book version. You know who else has pitchforks? Show rabbles. <laughs> rabbles. That's right. Okay, beautiful. Rabbles. Full circle. Back to the rabbles. We did get full circle. That's true. We Can came we back. Can we get the rabbles pitchforks. back to the garden? We came back to Pitchforks organically outside of the mob that we're not endorsing. So that's good. No, not endorsing. endorsing. We are not endorsing. Seriously. I mean, we didn't tell them where to go. They're like directionless. They're just wandering around out there with their Pitchforks. That's true. I mean, everyone knows Vino lives in the trees. In the event that you formed a mob with Pitchforks and torches and you just were kind of hanging out, that would be kind of cool. You weren't doing anything. You were just hanging out. That would be fine. I mean, something will come up. Maybe you're a farmhand and you're just looking for work, like a human. Right, exactly. And it might be dark out and you need the light to see where you're pitchforking. That's all. Bales of hay could be all around you. Did you guys eat mushrooms and not tell me? Yes. I feel like that's a better explanation for where this podcast is going. I eat Chinese food. Was it infused with mushrooms? No. Your lack of an answer speaks volumes. Law and Order will be there shortly to question you. Okay, this has gone far enough. This is uh, <laughs> this is good. I love both of you. I love all of you. Mike, it's great to have you back. Uh, a big love thank you too. once again to everybody for donating to Patreon. If you want to donate to Patreon, there's some fun rewards. Well, thank you so much, there. guys. You can, uh, you can at patreon.com slash blueshirtbanter. The first thing I'm we're going so to do... I'm so sorry that you're paying for this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a, we're not good salesmen. That's the truth of the matter. <laughs> You, oh, uh, we should be paying you for this. Actually, this is this has been bad. Oh, boy. Um, once we hit our goal, we're going to uh, get some new equipment for the show. Probably get a couple of Skype subscriptions as well. 
because I think the, the thought process behind us was we were a little uncomfortable to open this Patreon up in the first place. And um, if you guys are going to donate, we want to give it back to you before we do anything else. So, so improving the show is the first priority. And then we will go for the we have donated and our new segments on vitamins and angels. <laughs> we'll buy ourselves some yeah. textbooks. From the spiritual uh, world. And we appreciate it. And horticulture uh, as well. Yes, maybe some textbooks of history that I can read so that Mike doesn't insult me live on the air. Um, um, he'll find something. You know I love you. I do. And I love you too. I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. You can find Mike. Okay, gentlemen. The lovely Mike at uh, – oh, Beth, I forgot you were here. Uh, you can find him at oh, BlueShirtBanter.com. Wow. BlueShirtBanter.com. Wow. Blue I was just waiting for us to talk about hockey again. Oh, my God. This We've just – we're like I the two-headed like turtle. London. That's a three-headed turtle that all hate each other, <laughs> which I don't think is good, <laughs> but it makes for a good podcast. Um, you can find Mike at – Dig deep BSB on Twitter. You can find him at today's Slapshot. And were you yeah, writing? You're writing something. Sports now. What? Today's Slapshot is defunct. It's all just fan rag sports now. Oh, fan rag sports. Screw those today's Slapshot people then. If they, or, or did they just turn into fan rag sports? They just turned into it. So good job. <laughs> so then fan, yeah, that was fun. Fan, fan rag sports. Um, where he writes about the Riveters as well, and they are uh, Mike and Beth have done a wonderful job. Mike, I complimented you last week. You didn't hear it, but mostly Mike for, for the coverage of the uh, turmoil that the National Women's Hockey League is going through on a more serious note. So that was very kind. Um, Beth, you can find at Beth Macklin. You can find her on Blue Shirt Banter, and you can find her at blueshirtbanter.com/slash/riveters. Myself, you can find at anything slash Blue Shirt Banter, Patreon, Facebook dot com, you know, whatever. Uh, and blogtalkradio.com slash banter. You can also listen to us on iTunes. If you do, please upvote iTunes. Give us five stars and leave a nice comment because you help other people find us. Same thing on Stitcher and Google Play. And, uh, yeah. Thank you, everybody. We're really sorry about this. This was terrible. <laughs> yeah, thank you, and we're sorry. It's both sorry. of those things. I'm not sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> She's learning. Beth, you're such a Lunkin. Lunkin. <laughs> There's no better way to end the show. Go Lunkin. Good night. <laughs>